I neglected to welcome our online people earlier, so uh, forgive me, but uh, welcome if you're watching online. Uh, we've sent uh, Pastor Tamil off on uh, some vacation. Uh, we're going to have her gone for about three weeks so she can rest and take some time to just revive herself. And so uh, I know she's been doing a great job here. Uh, I'm sure she's tired, <laughs> on the edge of burnt out probably. <laughs> But uh, she's doing well, and we'll, uh, we'll welcome her back in a little while. I don't know if she's watching online or not today, but uh, you know, we'll maybe wave to, to Meal. Uh, I've looked forward to uh, speaking to you for a while now, uh, and I've, it was too bad I couldn't be here last weekend with you, but uh, I'm glad to be back. My wife is here with us in the audience today. She's well again. Uh, she had a rough time with COVID for about five days, and, and now she's doing well. And uh, she's heading back to Calgary tomorrow, so we'll send her off. But um, I've looked forward to speaking to this congregation for even longer than that, because uh, I've watched this congregation from afar, certainly ever since our daughter became uh, a part of this congregation a few years ago now. And then I, when I... Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was here and got to know Pastor Jeff as we went for coffee a few times and chatted about ministry because I was uh, helping out with a congregation in London, Ontario, and uh, was living close by at Twyla's place, and uh, we had lots of chats about church and ministry and culture and where things are going, and then uh, had a few conversations with Pastor Tamil as well, and and uh, now I'm, I get to be here and actually preach in this context. It just it feels a little bit weird. I'm used to standing over here in front of a camera and recording sermons because uh, you guys were very gracious and let me record some of those uh, uh, sermons for London in that little space. But now we get to use the whole uh, auditorium here. And it's, you know what, this, this auditorium is not as big as I thought it was. <laughs> We're filling it up pretty well here, and that's a nice problem to have. Let me just uh, lead us in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into some scripture together. Lord God, this whole service together is a time that we're just focused on following Jesus. Our whole lives are focused on following Jesus. And when we come into this place and in your presence in this way, we're very much aware of it, and we want to just set aside this time as a time of worship, as a time of learning, as a time of praise, as a time of grace, as a time of redemption and salvation. Would you guide our time together now? In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to dive into this passage in Matthew chapter 14 together. I hope you've brought some form of Bible with you. It's a great idea to bring an electronic version or a paper version, whatever you might have, um, because there will be times when you'll want to look back a little further and say, well, why does it say immediately after this? And uh, I may not talk about that, but you might want to look at what was going on in the passage ahead of that. So bring your Bibles if you can and take a look at what's going on. Pastor Tamil last week gave us a marvelous message on following Jesus, and that's the foundation of what we're talking about if over the next few weeks as we dive into a sermon series called uh, Walking on Water, is what we're going to call it. And today we're going to specifically talk about walking on water on stormy seas. 
And so over the next few weeks, we'll talk about the different ways that we uh, walk on water in stormy seas and um, other seas as well. But uh, let me read the passage in Matthew chapter 14 before we work through it together. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had arisen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Hmm, I'm going to pause just for a moment there. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Verse 28 goes on. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Oh, man, I get a little tingle when I read that one. And Jesus, uh, oh, where did I, I got such a tingle, I forgot where I am. Here we go. Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. The word of God. Before we really dive into this passage together, let me just kind of remind us of the context in which we find ourselves today. As we dive into God's word, we have to place it in the context of our world and where we are today. And I think you know by now that many are saying we live in an extraordinarily anxious age. We live in a time where there is a lot of, there are a lot of things going on that can cause anxiety. We have come through a pandemic. We know that there's the potential for World War III and nuclear war in our world. We know that there are many things that are causing us concern and grief, like recession, like uh, inflation, and maybe even a worldwide global recession. These are concerns. There's concerns with the supply chains. I know some of you work in... uh, in businesses where you have to get materials in and use those materials, or you have to sell those materials to people, and sometimes it's hard to get those materials. We live in a time where sometimes you go into the grocery store and what you wanted to buy is not there on the shelf. We haven't experienced that much in our world. These are anxious times. And some of this is easy to talk about, and some of the things that are going on in our world and in our church are just not so easy to talk about. 
We used to talk about how in polite conversation, you never talk about religion or politics, right? We've all heard that before. But these days, maybe there's a few more things we add to that list. Don't talk about COVID. (laughs) That can be polarizing, can be difficult. There can be different opinions and, and things like that. We don't talk about morality and sexuality in some circles. Because it can be challenging and there's a lot of different views about gender roles and how we should live out our lives in this world. Um, Divorce can be a difficult subject to talk about in the church and in our world. There's a lot of things that cause anxiety and, and uncomfortable moments in our conversations with one another. There's a lot of anxiety. Have I got you, have I got you tense already? You probably came here tense. And if you looked at the CBC News, that made you a little more tense. And so we live in a time that is anxious. Um, Russell Moore, who writes regularly in Christianity Today, had this to say just a few days ago in the Christianity Today magazine. He said, the anxiety around us is real. Sometimes it seems like the entire world is having a nervous breakdown all at once. We see it perhaps most pointedly in the uptick of adolescents facing an unprecedented spike in mental health problems. Others, many of their parents and grandparents and friends and neighbors, they feel no anxiety at all, but have given up hope for the future. He's basically saying either you're anxious or you've given up hope. (laughs) There's got to be a better answer, right? So as we look at this uh, passage, I'm suggesting that right now, these represent huge cultural changes that are going on in our world right now. We could list more things that are huge cultural shifts in our world. And Jesus has the answers for those huge cultural shifts. I'm suggesting that we need to navigate through this in the days and weeks to come. Not only on an individual basis, but as a congregation, we're navigating uncertainty, right? We're navigating this business of knowing how to transition from the vision we had prior to the pandemic and a vision that we'll have post-pandemic, a vision that we had when Pastor Jeff was leading us here, and the vision we'll have as a congregation going forward, These are the things that we're now in transition about, and it feels a little bit like we might be walking on unsteady ground, or we might be walking on water. Peter and the rest of the disciples did not realize it, but they too were on the brink of huge change in the world, huge cultural change. if you do go back up further in the book of in uh, chapter 14 of Matthew, you'll find there that yes, indeed, Jesus fed the 5,000 just before he went across the lake to have some quiet time in a remote place. But even before that in the passage, it talks about how King Herod, who was supposed to be the king of the Jews and looking after the Jews and looking after the well-being of his people, had John the Baptist executed. Already were the beginning signs of huge turmoil in the Jewish culture and what would eventually become the Christian culture as well. Times of persecution that would come in 
years to come. And Peter and the rest of the disciples are just on the edge of that. And they don't realize that they're about to be walking on very stormy seas and an uncertain foundation, uncertain terrain to be walking on. Let's dive into this and look at a few verses at a time and talk about some of the things that are going on in this passage. Let's look at verses 22 through 24 together. Immediately after this, we already said that's about the feeding of the 5,000, but it's also about the death of John the Baptist. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Well, they, as I said, they had gone over to this remote place because Jesus wanted to spend some time in quiet, in solitude, maybe with his disciples some of the time, maybe without his disciples some of the time. And he, is, he did not accomplish that there because 5,000 people wanted to hear him speak and have him heal people. And so he's still tired, still exhausted, still burnt out. If Jesus could get burnt out, I'm not sure. But he's tired. He needs time alone with God, and he's missed out on that. So after sending the people home and sending the disciples out across the lake, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell when he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. I want to suggest to you here that this is a bit of a theme that we see coming out in all of the Gospels, but particularly in the Gospel of Matthew, that Matthew is pointing out that there were times when the disciples were kind of on their own, away from Jesus, and there were times when they had Jesus right physically present with them, and they knew what to do in those circumstances. When there was a need, they would go get Jesus and bring him to the need, and if it was somebody that needed to be healed, they could count on Jesus to heal this person. If it was danger from the the lake, they could wake Jesus up in the back of the boat and say, Jesus, we're, we're perishing here. Can you help us? They knew what to do when Jesus was right there beside them. But there were other occasions when Jesus was not physically present with them and they needed to know what to do in those circumstances. What comes to mind is actually a passage in Mark, I believe it is. I should have checked that reference a little closer, but you can find it. Where Jesus is going up to the mountain to be transfigured with a few of the disciples, and he leaves most of the disciples down the mountain. And when they come down, they discover that the rest of the disciples have been working with a father and son, trying to cast the demon out from this son who has put him into convulsions and thrown him into the fire. And because Jesus wasn't there, they didn't accomplish it. Jesus explains to them later that all they needed to do was pray to him, and they could have done it. But on that occasion, they were separate from Jesus and didn't realize that Jesus was still spiritually present with them. Same is kind of true in this boat situation. They think that they're alone. They think that because Jesus is a few nautical miles or nautical kilometers away, that he's not there present with them, but spiritually he's still there with them. And that, of course, is the situation we find ourselves in, isn't it? We don't get to walk around putting an arm around the physical presence of Jesus or having him put his arm around us. We have to trust that he's here 
when we can't see him. And so the disciples and us both have to learn that we can count on Jesus and we can pray to him and we can talk to him even when he's not around. Let's go on in verse 25. It says that about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on water. Now, think about the timing of this. They're there with the 5,000, and it's getting towards late afternoon, evening. Jesus sends the disciples across the lake in the boat. He uh, disperses the crowd and sends them home. And then he has time to go up into the hills to start to pray. Darkness begins to come. So already the disciples have been out on the lake for quite some time by this time. And then Jesus prays in the hills, leaves them alone out there on the lake, fighting the waves until three o'clock in the morning. I don't know. That'd be a tough spot for me, too. I'd be thinking, Jesus, you've abandoned us. But he hadn't abandoned them, of course. And at three o'clock in the morning, he comes, and they, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. He must have had to shout over the waves, right? And over the wind. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Peter gets all excited. The usual Peter, right? Ups and downs of Peter's life. Jesus, if that's you... Call me out to go across the lake with you. I'd love to walk on water too. And he does. Let's not miss that he does walk on water. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted out. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Now, I'm going to say this in two different ways. Do you think Jesus said it this way? Oh, Jesus. Or, sorry. Oh, Peter. You have so little faith. Oh, my goodness. Why did you doubt me? Hmm. No, I don't think that's it. Let me try it a different way. Oh, Peter. No, that's not it. Peter, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? I think there was gentleness in his voice. I'm reminded of when a, a father is helping his child walk. We've, we've got a number of grandkids, and our, our youngest, Troy, has learned how to walk just recently. And uh, I, I remember some of the videos we saw of, their, of his dad saying, come on, Troy, it's time to walk. He was encouraging him to walk. And Troy would stumble out and take two and a half, maybe three steps and fall down. And it's not like the father then goes and says, oh, Troy, you're so bad at walking. No, he says, Troy, that was amazing. You took two and a half steps. (laughs) I think that's the kind of interaction we're seeing here with Jesus and Peter. Jesus says, Peter... You got a lot to learn yet, but you took two or three steps on the water. He's proud of him, and yet he's calling him to something bigger and something higher. Peter had that faith to get out there on the water. Uh, 
another kind of metaphor, another way of understanding some of this is, I think you get the picture that we are walking on unsteady ground these days. There's a lot of anxiety. It feels like at any minute we might stumble, we might trip and fall. We had an experience this past summer. Uh, our family was all on a, at a family reunion in uh, Stetler, Alberta. Who knows where Stetler, Alberta is? Oh, we got a few people out there that know where it is. Well, that was where I was born. Uh, and uh, in Stetler, Alberta, they have a steam train that travels from Stetler to Big Valley and back again. It's a tourist attraction. Now, on the day we traveled it, they actually had to put a diesel train on the front of it because the steam train wasn't working. But our family all rode on this train. And it's a really marvelous experience. It's like being on a train in the early 1900s. And there's a... uh, a bunch of bad guys that come and rob the train and they ride up on their horses and they fire off blanks from guns and all of this. And it's, they come on the train and they demand money. And it's a, it's a great experience. But what was, interesting, <laughs> what was interesting about it was it's about seven or eight um, cars long. And you can walk the length of this train on there. And you... you kind of stumble along and you, you kind of have to walk like this and hang on to the, the seats to make sure you don't fall over and land in somebody's lap. And, and at the expansion or the joints between the, the two cars, you're kind of looking down, you can see the, the road or the, the tracks racing along underneath of you and you kind of have to walk across these fl- floppy mats and stuff to get you across to the other train and that sort of thing. It's, it's again, fun. But I was stumbling along on the train, and then I noticed the same little grandson, Troy, who'd only been walking for about two or three months by this time. He's not hanging on to the chairs or anything. He's just stumbled, <laughs> marching down the, the train back and forth. And he, I don't think he ever fell on the train, and I didn't see him grabbing the seats or anything. I guess when you're one year old, one years, one year old that you think that the world is always kind of moving underneath of you, maybe. And he could, he could walk on that, no problem. But I sometimes feel like that's what's going on with us. Jesus calls us to walk on the water. That's what it feels like we're walking on right now. Some of the foundations, even of things that we've believed for a long time, have kind of been shaken on us. And that... that, that piece of concrete that we wanted to step on seems to be moving or turning to water as we put our foot on it. And we feel like we just don't know where that next step is going to be. And we know we want to follow Jesus and we see him there ahead of us and he's going that way, but my step might go this way and then it might go that way and I'm falling around trying to follow him. I think that's the picture of what we're experiencing now. And that's the picture that the disciples experienced in that boat. They're trying to follow Jesus the best they can. They've got some faith, but it's weak. And Jesus reminds us to have more faith. We, we buy in too readily to the culture out there that says, you know, miracles don't really happen anymore. That supernatural Jesus that you follow, he's not going to do anything for you. No, Jesus says, take courage. I am here with you. Follow me. I'll make it possible. We'll do this together. 
The last few verses of the passage remind us of who we follow. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Who made the wind stop? (laughs) It's just like another occasion in another boat. Jesus makes the wind stop. He calms the storms. He can. Doesn't mean he's always going to calm every storm. Doesn't mean we might not have to walk through some storms for a while, but he can calm the storms. He can walk on the water. They, the disciples worshipped him and said, you really are the son of God. They were, their faith was increased by that. After they crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. And again, Jesus pulled right into this. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. Well, yes, this Jesus has that kind of power. We need to trust in our current situation that the same Jesus that calmed the storm, that walked on water, that healed the people, is the same Jesus that we follow today. And he's capable of all of those things. We know that we live in different times, and we will see his hand in different ways. But we trust in the power of Jesus. If we don't trust in him, we're either going to fall into fear and anxiety or we're going to start trying to do everything on our own. And that's also a danger. But Jesus says we can follow him and trust his power to accomplish the things that he calls us to do. Fear immobilizes. Attempting to solve the problems on our own will only cause us to fail. But in verse 27, remember these words. Jesus says, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Let's pray together about this. Lord, Lord Jesus, we are in these anxious times, whatever they look like to each of us. Maybe some of us do feel like that, uh, like the anxieties around us are causing us to feel like everybody's having a nervous breakdown at the same time. Or maybe we feel like, I just can't take one more thing. I I just got to give up on worrying about these things. Lord, instead, we want to fix our eyes on you and we want to follow you. Whether we stumble whether we misstep, whether we have to have a wide stance. We want to continue to trust you, Lord Jesus, and follow after you. God, in, in our individual lives, we want to do that. In our family lives, we want to do that. In our church family life, we want to do that. In, in the work of this church and in the leadership, in the, the mission you call us into the, the town of Simcoe, and into the county of Norfolk. We want you there in front of us, and we will seek to follow you, trusting that you can walk on water, and you can make us walk on water as well. And so, God, we pray that you would be involved in this process with us, that we might together engage in your mission, your vision, the healing that needs to happen, the growth that needs to happen, the faith that needs to happen, our our desire to go out and serve in this community, that that might grow and 
we might find our place in all of that. So guide us this day and these days. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.